Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hi, I'm Dr. Stuart Isaacson, Director of the Parkinson's Disease and Movement Disorder Center of Boca Raton in Boca Raton, Florida. And in this segment, we're going to discuss a case study. Uh, Aunt Judy has been hallucinating treatment interventions. So Aunt Judy has a Parkinson's disease. Uh, her motor symptoms seem to be fairly well controlled. When she was seen at an office visit about eight months ago, uh, she reports she uh, was seeing some things moving in her peripheral vision. Uh, when asked about it, she said, well, you know, I've had these for about two years. I haven't really mentioned them. They don't bother me. Um, she was taking her levodopa, and then it was adjusted to taking one and a half tablets of the 25-100 strength, uh, one and a half, then one, one and a half, then one, in a four-hour interval uh, because she was, was wearing off. She was seen again four months ago, and she notes that uh, slowness and tremor were improved with the adjustment of carbidopa levodopa, but she's now seeing a small squirrel that runs across the TV room two to three times a week. She says she knows the squirrel's not real and that it doesn't bother her, but she also uh, uh, seeing these things, and it's not really normal to see small rodents running across the living room uh, floor. So we told uh, Aunt Judy and her husband that if they increase in frequency or severity, to, to give us a call. But like many times when we see our patients who begin to have these symptoms, even when they say they're not bothering them, we suggested perhaps lowering the levodopa a drop to one and a half, one, 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 lowering it by half a pill. Uh, if you had more motor symptoms, she was asked to call as well. But it just highlights that we need to really address Parkinson's psychosis symptoms of illusions, uh, false sense of presence or passage, hallucinations and delusions by asking about frequency. Is it once a month, once a week, once a day, several times a day, the severity, uh, the insight that's retained or lost, and, and the impact of, of these symptoms on daily life, on caregivers, and also on motor treatment, because it can really uh, pose a, a, a therapeutic dilemma when, when we have to consider whether we have to adjust the motor medicines down when we usually want to raise them up to improve motor symptoms. We know the course of Parkinson's disease psychosis is progressive, reflecting the progressive neurodegenerative process. We understand Parkinson's psychosis now not to merely reflect a side effect of medications, but rather to be an overactive serotonergic system with upregulation of serotonin 2A receptors. And we know that once patients develop uh, symptoms of Parkinson's psychosis, even if they're infrequent and mild, they tend to progress over months and years and eventually have to be addressed uh, sometimes sooner than later. When Aunt Judy comes back for an office visit today, she still has motor symptoms, but she's having increasing psychosis symptoms. She reports that she's now seeing squirrels and at times birds in her house several times a day. She's not sure if they're real. She says she's not bothered by the hallucinations, but her husband says that just yesterday, she locked herself in the bedroom all day to, quote, keep them away from her. She continues to have off episodes. She has tremor and slowness between doses, and, and this is, uh, uh, seems to also be a problem. Um, so we can see with Aunt Judy that she has an increased frequency. She has increased severity. She's lost some insight, and, and, and both the uh, hallucinations, uh, keeping in a room, as well as these off episodes where she has tremor slowness are both impacting her daily life. Uh, and they also impact her motor treatment. So it really highlights that once a patient with Parkinson's disease develops psychosis, they're very different 
in how we approach and, and manage the treatment uh, because now we no longer are just increasing dopaminergic medications to treat motor symptoms, but now we have to sort of try to balance and not increase them too much so that we don't have uh, this other problem of more hallucinations. This can create a therapeutic bind where adjusting Parkinson's medications can increase psychosis and lowering Parkinson's medications can increase motor symptoms. Also, Traditionally, thinking about adding an antipsychotic was problematic because all available antipsychotics block dopamine receptors, worsening uh, motor Parkinsonism. But with this understanding now that Parkinson's psychosis reflects serotonergic mechanisms and the generation of serotonergic neurons and loss of serotonin leads to a reflexive upregulation of serotonin 2A receptors, this is progressive. It's sort of a fire burning in the brain. And then dopaminergic medications can add fuel to the fire, as can infections and other medications. So we have to think about Parkinson's psychosis in this neurochemical uh, network type of way. When you have increased serotonergic activity in the visual cortex, you get visual hallucinations. But cortical uh, increase in serotonergic activity can drive the mesolimbic dopamine pathway as well, leading to hallucinations and delusions. It influences and informs our clinical approach to managing patients who develop psychosis when they have Parkinson's disease. Looking for secondary medical causes, medications that might have been added, anticholinergics, opiates, benzodiazepines, looking for infections and electrolyte disturbances. If we don't find a triggers like this and, and looking for other non-pharmacologic triggers like uh, lack of sleep and anxiety and uh, other stressors that can occur, when often at a crossroads, we have to decide whether to adjust medications or add an antipsychotic. We're always going to look at the non-Parkinson's medications and minimize anticholinergics and narcotics and such. We look at dopaminergic medications and minimize selegiline and amantadine and dopamine agonists and sometimes lowering other dopaminergic medications. But we don't want to do so and lower those medicines so that patients have more motor symptoms because that also can considerably impact their quality and daily activities, um, as well as increasing the risk of falls. So we have to often consider adding an antipsychotic. Antipsychotics as a class uh, tend to have efficacy reflecting dopamine D2 blockade and or serotonin 2A uh, blockade. The problem is with Parkinson's disease patients who are already dopamine depleted, blocking dopamine receptors, receptors can really increase motor symptoms. But off-target receptor affinities can also increase non-motor symptoms like somnolence and orthostatic hypotension that our patients already suffer from. And this can be increased by adding an antipsychotic. Knowledge of the efficacy, if we could look mainly at 2A, like the atypical antipsychotics, block 2A in addition to dopamine D2 in this ratio uh, may give us less dopamine blockade. And targeting just serotonin 2A receptors has the potential to give efficacy as well. Indeed, pimavanserin, which was approved by the FDA, and is the only approved FDA medication for Parkinson's psychosis, selectively blocks serotonin 2A receptors uh, as an antagonist, an inverse agonist, with a little activity at serotonin 2C receptors, but no affinity for a dopaminergic or other uh, receptors um, uh, that are present. In the pivotal trial, it demonstrated efficacy, safety, and tolerability at uh, the six-week primary endpoint, uh, showing a 37% improvement in hallucinations and delusions, frequency and severity compared to placebo, 14%, without worsening motor symptoms. 
the UPDRS uh, scale that we use to monitor our patients was unchanged from placebo and actually showed a, a direction that would be towards improvement, although not significant. So Aunt Judy uh, was treated with uh, pimavanserin. Uh, 34 milligrams was begun once a day, uh, orally with or without food. A family was told that if she noticed any change in her symptoms, increase or decrease, any new symptoms, give us a call. We scheduled a follow-up visit for four to six weeks when we're gonna see uh, efficacy. Uh, we maintain the dopaminergic carbidopa levodopa dose stable right now. And hopefully if we can treat her Parkinson's psychosis, we'll be able to better optimize her motor treatment as well in the future. And hopefully Aunt Judy will, uh, will have improvement and, and uh, with, with demonstrated tolerability. So thank you for joining me to discuss this case study of Aunt Judy. And uh, we'll see how she does in four to six weeks at her follow-up visit. Thanks. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com CME. Thank you for listening.